Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A-M-A-N, your home for K-State Athletics. This is Wildcat Insider with the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson, and K-M-A-N Sports Director, Mitch Fortner. All right, bye week's done. It's over. It's now time for eight straight Big 12 contest for the K-State Wildcats before the regular season does come to an end. And, of course, we're going to make another road trip to uh, Arlington to play in the Big 12 championship. Fingers crossed that gets done. But next on the schedule, the bye week is done, and it's a Friday game, a rare Friday matchup as the Cats will be taking on the Pokes. In Boone Pickens Stadium, the Oklahoma State Cowboys are 2-2. Two and two. The Cats are 3-1. and one. And uh, kickoff will be at 6.30 this Friday with Powercat Game Day at 2.30 in the afternoon. Welcome to Wildcat Insider. Mitch Fortner and the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson, with A.J. Shaw on the board. He'll also answer your phone calls. 785-537-1350 is the number to call. Uh, you can ask questions to Wyatt Thompson, myself, as we talk Cats in Big 12 for the next couple of hours. Wyatt, good to see you. How was your... Uh, your bye week. What'd you do this weekend? You know what? It's probably about what you would assume. <laughs> I watched a boatload of football Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, and Saturday night. Then yesterday, I drove to Mulvane, south of Wichita, uh, was the MC for the Kansas Sports Hall of Fame banquet last night that uh, inducted 11 new members, uh, three posthumously and eight, eight spectacular people there talking and one of them a k-stater ted power uh pitched here back in the 70s uh, that was really fun um that was pretty much the weekend to be honest with you uh my my wife's brother was in town and and uh sister-in-law so we kind of watched that texas kansas game with them and they, they laughed at me because we then went to nico's and aid and i'm watching oh, football nice. on my phone I, I i just couldn't get away from it <laughs> I am what I am, right? Yeah. <laughs> How about you? Uh, well, the first part of your story was very similar to mine. I watched yeah. a lot of football on the couch. As a matter of fact, uh, Lindsey's son, Harper, shout out to Harper, wide receiver for Wamigo football, uh, made the comment, Mitch, have you gotten off the couch at all since I've been here? <laughs> and and it was like, you know what? No. I was like, that's actually a <laughs> very accurate of. Uh, very accurate thing to say. Like that was on the money. I really hadn't got up on the from the couch because I was just watching football all day. Yeah, and uh, especially Saturday, I watched all the morning games, all the afternoon games, and um, 
using YouTube TV and the four screens at once or whatever. And uh, and then at night, you know, the, the only really game I was interested in was Notre Dame Duke. That was um, a good football game. Yeah, man. and because I thought Duke could pull off the upset, and I was rooting for Duke to pull off the upset. And of course, you know, if you didn't see the rest of the game, you know, in the final couple of minutes, Notre Dame marches down the field and scores the go-ahead touchdown. They get the two-point conversion. If you were betting on the game, Notre Dame's a favorite by five and a half. Well, that two-point conversion kills you uh, because they go from a five-point lead to a seven-point lead, and now Notre Dame is covering if you went with Duke. Uh, my Mitch in Vegas pick was Duke, and I didn't get that win. So I was a little bit bummed out, but uh, I talked Lindsay into going out to dinner, and we did so in Wamigo. And then after that, she's like, hey, we got there's this uh, haunted house just down the street from where we're at. Let's go check it out. I like a good scare once in a while. And it's at the um, it's the old Wamigo Opera House. Okay. So it was at, we got a history lesson while we were there. It was built before the Columbian in the 1800s. Wow. Somebody bought it out, and every Saturday in October, or for this case, last day of September, they have a haunted house. Um, it, it's a real quick thing, nothing too crazy. It's, it's scary. They did mm-hmm. a really good job for a – for the amateur production, uh, that was a lot of fun. I highly suggest go check that out on a Saturday night. And then um, we went and saw Saw 10, the movie Saw 10 in theaters. The I love the Saw series, the 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 slasher. I, I don't know if you called it really. It is a it's a gory film. It's a gory it, franchise. Yeah, I have not seen them all. I've seen uh, one and a a little bit of a couple of others and. This would not be the type of movie that my wife would want to attend under any circumstances. You know, Lindsay is not, that's not really her cup of tea either. Uh-huh. But she was interested in going to see it. When it got gory, she would kind of cover her eyes a little bit. But for a storyline mixed in with the games and the gore, you're thumbs upping it. It's yeah. It might be the best Saul film there is. Wow. Okay. It was that good. Hmm. I, I actually highly suggest it. Uh, and I, I'm not trying to be biased or anything. I love all the Saw movies. Um, but typically, like, the acting or the storyline really isn't that interesting. You just want to see the games and stuff and the gore. And that's why you invest in it and check out all the movies. This one actually had a really strong story to it. Hmm. It really did. It's actually a prequel, too. It takes place between, from what I could tell, I think it was between movie one and movie two. Saw one and two. Okay. So it goes back to, you know, when... John Kramer's alive and all that, and uh, it was a really good film. And I actually think on Rotten Tomatoes, it's getting really solid reviews. So there you go. Yeah, there's my movie recommendation well, for the I, month. I did none of that uh, part, but I will say, as you talked about that Notre Dame Duke game, I was I was so enthralled by that game, the LSU Ole Miss game, and then the West Virginia TCU game, and those were just right there together. Um, so. For me, that was a really fun Saturday night. I usually don't get to watch that much football on a, on a day where we're doing a game. So uh, I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, and shout out to the ladies that, uh, you know, that put up with guys that sit on the couch for a Saturday and watch football. That's uh, <laughs> it's a very nice thing to allow. It really is. Well, they put up with way more than they should. Oh, that's, yeah. That's a fact. Absolutely. But Cats' uh, bye week is done now. I yeah. mean, storyline-wise, it's about just – getting some guys some rest and getting some guys healed up. Meanwhile, some young guys, a lot of true freshmen that have already seen the field. 
Uh, you never know what their role might turn in down the down the road. So let's get them some snaps. Let's get them some reps during a couple of weeks of practice. And now the Pokes coming up on Friday night. Just by going off the depth chart that we got today in the in the game notes, I mean, it, it's pretty good news. Uh, you were hoping to see Trey Sean Ward back in there, and he is. Uh, Christian Duffy, a right tackle, he's back in the starting lineup, and, and Jake Clifton is back in the two deep. So, and and again, like other than you know, of course, Deanna Green being out for the year, it seems around on both sides of the football, it's all very positive. Well, that's exactly right. And on top of the guys you mentioned, I think we will probably hear Coach Kleiman tomorrow say that Keegan Johnson is a little bit healthier. Uh, R.J. Garcia will be good to go on Friday night. So there's five guys right there. Um, and that that probably doesn't include a couple of other guys. Uh, so I, I think mission accomplished with the health part of it, for the most part, through the, the bye week. And I'm anxious to hear what Coach has to say you know, about those young players uh, in, in the couple of days or so that they spent just K-State versus K-State, young-young, if, if you will, young-on-young, young, uh, because they're, as we talk about a lot, there are a lot of guys that are making their way to the field, maybe uh, in a couple of cases quicker than everybody thought, like, like an Austin Romaine. Um, but but I, I thought he did a really good job against UCF. Anxious to hear what Coach says on that tomorrow as we get ready to as you say, get back at it in a big way. You got eight straight weeks of play here. Yeah, and throw another name in there, uh, Garrett Oakley. Oh, there's we, another one. Yeah. We hadn't seen until the UCF game, and you know the uh, the the word on the street was that you know in fall practice the kid was looking really good. And I don't know exactly when he got banged up. Maybe it was right before the season, but we hadn't seen him. Yeah, it was right the, before until the UCF game, mm-hmm. and. You know, you probably didn't notice him on the field because the ball wasn't going in his direction. Maybe you're not watching the blocking or the or the uh, the route running, but he actually did a really solid job. The ball just unfortunately didn't end up in his hands. So we already have evolution in his game of what the next step is. The kid's going to be used in the passing game. He will, and and I think it, it's safe to say here that K-State has a really good one in Ben Sennett now who's, yeah. <laughs> you know, he, he's got 49 career catches all of a sudden, and so many of those are, if you go back to the middle of last year, so it'd be, what, the last eight or nine, ten games, he's been way good. Uh, but I, I think the coaches really love Garrett and, and how he has taken a major step forward from a true freshman, you know, a redshirt year last year. Uh, so here he is as a young player with four years to play, including this. And he can run. He can catch. He's got some toughness to him. I think he has a really good understanding of what K-State is doing offensively. Um, I, I, would, I would say that the, the coaches – I don't think I'm stretching this. I think the coaches are excited about him uh, as much as any of the young players on the team, with maybe the exception of Avery Johnson. That's pretty high praise. Big time. Yeah. Big time. Um, so you mentioned we were talking about injuries there for a second. You brought up Keegan Johnson. Yeah. To me, he's the one. He, he's at the top of my list of guys you were hoping that would really get healed up in these last couple of weeks and will take off starting now. Yeah. I, I'm with you 100% there because I continue to, to think in my own mind when these kind of subjects come up and with Keegan, go think about one of the first couple of two or three times that you heard Colin Klein talk about him and those media availabilities during camp. I mean, he he praised him 
for his work ethic. He praised him for his explosive ability. He praised him for his route running, whether it was against man or zone, and those are, are different, as we all know. He's got skills. He, he's got, I really think if they can get him integrated and, and keep him healthy, um, he could be a pretty big piece moving forward in, in the next couple of months. Yeah, Keegan Johnson, what they need out of him is just his big play ability. Oh, yeah. His ability to, like you said, run a great route, get separation. Which is what he is really pretty good. He's yeah. he's strong. He can run. Um, he, he's just somebody that's impressed them with his ability to to get that separation. And it's, it's harder to do than, than you might think. Yeah, especially when you're not exactly – healthy exactly you're not playing 100 i mean and we've seen that in the past from other wide receivers that aren't playing 100 and they're just maybe not performing as well as you like them to be you know i just hope with keegan that he is healthier now and he's ready to really explode and have a have a breakthrough type of game against oklahoma state a team that's struggling right now because and i, and I hope this isn't the case but if it were not to happen now or against texas tech you do i think you do fear a little bit that it may not just come you may not get the breakout Keegan Johnson game, and then it might be just an average type of season. But he can be such a b- above average type of player. Like he should be K State's best wide receiver. Yeah, he certainly has it in him. But again, I think you said that really well. You've got to bring it to the field, game field, right? I mean, you can do it in practice and be consistent with it. And that's kind of what, if you think about it, what we were saying during the camp. With, with Jaden Jackson as an example, that you'd see him one day and it's like, man, this guy could help us. And then the next day, you hardly notice. <laughs> you know, those days have even out better, I guess that's the wrong way to say it. He's had more good days by a long ways in, in the last few weeks, and that's been a good thing for K-State. And he's, to be honest, he's kind of taken up the slack you know, for Keegan working yeah. his way back, and I, I salute him for that. He's done a nice job. Well, and, and going back, the wide receivers, there's not a lot of size. Right. There's just not a lot of size. If you want size, you got to go like to the true freshman, like a Trey Spivey. The kid's out tall, 6'3", 6'4". Yeah, he, he's big legit. Kid. <laughs> I mean, K-State is, is, I feel like they're doing a better job recruiting that position, getting some bigger guys. Andre Davis. But right now, I yep. mean, you know, top four receivers for K-State, the average height is not, I don't think it's, it's maybe six foot. That make him the shortest, and Masonville talked about it last week. That that would be the shortest in the Big Twelve. So we need guys that get separation. You don't want guys linking up to you to your belt loop, and now you're trying to fight over 50-50 balls because when you're not the tallest group of guys in the Big Twelve, it's going to be hard to win a lot of those battles. So you need the separation. Keegan Johnson, if he comes through with that, that's a game changer for this wide receiver corn. Don't get me wrong; they've been pretty good, but they need a Keegan Johnson to be great. Well. They do, and here's why. I think we know what Ben Sennett is now, mm-hmm. right? I think you probably start there with all of those guys that can catch the ball, right? I mean, at least in my mind, I think we know what we're going to get from Phillip Brooks. Phillip is going to have some games where he's going to have six or seven catches, and then there are going to be some games where there's a guy that can cover him a little bit better, mm-hmm. and maybe he'll struggle to get a couple of two or three. But generally speaking, he'll get his. If Keegan can kind of meet that close to that standard, now you've got you know some things going, especially if you can keep Jaden about where he's at. You see Garrett Oakley come along a little bit. Uh, 
we'll just see how it goes. I, I do think they need to be bigger. I, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with Mason at all, and, and that day is coming with guys like Spivey and, and, and Andre Davis and, and others. But um, I do think they're good enough athletically that if, knock on wood, if healthy, and especially in Keegan's case, that, that, that's a big deal. It's a big deal. You got the whole studio knocking on wood right now. <laughs> They're right there with you, Wyatt. Yep. Uh, let's take our first break. Again, coming up, we got a full two hours here on Wildcat Insider. We take until 6 o'clock. We'll get an Oklahoma State preview in hour number two. Of course, we're going to look at the Big 12, not this just this past weekend, but the weekend to come. When we come back, we're going to squeeze in some basketball. We got the 2023-24 conference schedule out. A reaction when we come back on Wildcat Insider. Your... We're back. Wildcat Insider. Mitch Fortner, Wyatt Thompson, AJ Sean's on our board today. 537-1350 is the phone number. Uh, we get into some uh, K-State basketball. The Wildcats learn last week the uh, the conference dates. Let's put it that way. Already knew the opponents. We just needed some dates. We needed some times. We needed some, uh, you know, where can we watch the games. Um, so to recap here a little bit. So this news actually came out a couple of months ago, but I'll give you this again. K-State's home and away. So they'll play two games against these opponents, BYU, Iowa State, Kansas, Oklahoma State, and West Virginia. They'll play at home only, Baylor, UCF, Oklahoma, TCU. Away only is Cincinnati, Houston, Texas Tech, and and Texas. My biggest takeaway was... When I first saw that, I was like, man, K-State will be traveling to every tough place to play in the yeah, Big they 12. Will. Yeah. yeah. From that perspective, it is a most difficult conference schedule. And I'm sure that every talk show in all of these Big 12 cities are probably saying the same thing that you and I are. But I would challenge them to look a little closer and see if they can find anybody that's matching that particular type of road scenario where – you're going there, but they're not coming back. Mm-hmm. Okay, so and and I think we had mentioned on a on a show earlier, you you've got an opener to uh, in at in conference play at home, and then back to back roads, and then you come back and play two at home, and then you go to Iowa State and Houston. So in those first six games, you're at Tech or at West Virginia, at Tech, Baylor and Oklahoma State at home, and then at Iowa State and at Houston. That's that's pretty strong too. I, you know, looking through the Big 12 slate for the men, first of all, I thought it was interesting that it's, it's way different from the women's in this perspective where K-State has three back-to-back home games, as in they'll play back-to-back home games. That comes up three times. Yep. And there's also three times where they play back-to-back road games. For the women's basketball team, I think they only have that once each. Is that right? So it's very back and forth. Home travel, home travel, home travel. And I'm thinking, like, you know, what would the coaches prefer? Like, do you think they would prefer those back-to-back home games and back-to-back on the road? Think that they'd prefer that over home road, home road, home road? Like, what do you think? Honestly, I would guess, and this is just a guess, it's probably a pretty good question for, for Coach Mitty and Coach Tang, honestly, but 
I'm just going to say they would prefer to do home road, home road, home road. Uh, um, It's it's probably (laughs) – I think we all recognize how difficult it is on the road. Uh, and to have three times where you're back-to-back road games, I, I get that that they have three like that at home too. But those road trips, I was looking at this too. I mean, late in the year, I think people will learn how difficult. And, and I'm not saying I don't know exactly how it'll be going to Cincinnati late in the year. But but our last three games in, in conference play right before the tournament are at Cincinnati, at Kansas. And then Iowa State at home for Senior Day. So I talking to the guys last week. I, I always like to go through the conference schedule and just pick up, pick out that three game stretch that makes me sweat. Sure, you know, just way ahead of time. Think, man, this could be the real toughest stretch of the season. I honestly couldn't pick a three game stretch that I worried about the most. And again, it goes back to, you know. Back-to-back road games, like you would think, there were probably there would have to be at least two road games in that scenario, right? Because with the Cats at home, the Doom is back. I'm giving K State a shot every single time. I don't care who's coming into town. Oh, for sure, K State's absolutely got a shot. Yeah, but what are the road matchups with that home game? I could pick out a couple of, of you know back-to-back road games, and I'm like, man, that's going to be a tough one. For instance, at Iowa State, at Houston, that yeah. probably jumps out to me the most. Is like. Okay, I'm going to kind of sweat that week. It's going to be maybe a long week. We'll see. Well, I've got a little stretch here from the first part of February for four games that's basically home road, home road. Kansas, at BYU, TCU at home, and at Texas. Yeah, that's not bad. I mean, the three-game stretch there at BYU, TCU, because TCU did really good in the portal, Uh um, so they could be tough. And then, yeah, big Monday at Texas, so you're playing two days after you play an 11 a.m. game at home against TCU. Yeah, that could be a bit of a tough stretch. I just, you know, I've never been to a game at BYU or Cincinnati or whatever, so I, I've heard, you know, that BYU can be a pretty crazy environment. It's very difficult. It's going to be weird tipping off at nine o'clock at night, Kansas time, not Provo time, but right. Manhattan time will be yeah. nine o'clock. Well, if you, and I'm sure you have, but if you study at all BYU basketball history, they have a pretty healthy basketball tradition. And the Marriott Center is a very large arena. Their students are very much into it. The, they usually draw very good crowds. And I think in this first year, I mean, let, let's just be blunt, they've gone from an independent in football to the Big 12. And in basketball, they're going from the West Coast Conference to the Big 12, baby. That's, that's a big-time jump. So they're going to be excited to come see the KUs and the K-States and the Texas of the Worlds and Baylors. and that. I mean, it's just going to be what it's going to be. Yeah, and you I mean, saw their opening football game, right? I mean, it was hopping. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, they I were mean, they were geeked. Nobody was more yeah. jazzed. I mean, in, in the bounce house. I mean, in yeah. in uh, in Orlando. I mean, I, somebody was there, and I can't remember who it was. I don't know even know where they're from, but it, they just their tweets kept popping up on my timeline, and they're just kind of documenting um, the game and documenting the pregame stuff and outside of the stadium, what was going on, tailgating, and there was like a pregame parade or whatever. I was like, this is a very healthy college football pregame environment. Yeah. Like, people are pumped up. I'm excited to do Cincinnati, too, because we we don't play them in football this year, but in watching their game the other day, their first conference game against Oklahoma, that's a very unique facility. I don't know if you got a chance to see any of that or not, but the facility itself – is, is pretty unique in its design. 
and it looks, uh, for me personally, it looked a lot like what you see at Boone Pickens where the people are pretty tight to the field, mm. you know. And it's, I'm guessing, but I'm going to say maybe 45,000-ish, but they're right there with you. Um, and it was hopping pretty good. Um, so I, I think all of those teams bring some unique things to the table. And I, I, we'll talk more about the league in a moment football-wise, but I think BYU has proven that they're probably better than most people thought. I think you could even to a lesser degree say that about Cincinnati. I think we saw what UCF is. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, strap it on. Here we go. Uh, a couple more notes about the men's basketball schedule. Um, there are three Monday games. Two of them are going to be called Big Monday. Uh, but K-State will play three Monday games. The West Virginia game that's going to be at home on Monday, February 26th, it's an ESPNU game, so I guess they don't put the big Monday tag on it, but it's still a Monday night contest. Um, but the two big Monday games are hosting KU on February 5th, and then they're at Texas two weeks later. So they're back on the big Monday rotation on having two really big matchups. Oh, yeah. One home, one on the road. Yeah. Well, I think we all – understand what the league is going to be and and I I think with basketball with K-State this year with (laughs) the excitement of the men the excitement for the women and I'm not sure how many men and women's double headers or day night there are but I I think there are a couple two or three I think there's two okay um you have January 20th which is a Saturday and the men will play second um, and then the men will play first on February 17th, another Saturday, of course, where the men play at 11 a.m. Okay. Um, and Those I, are pretty cool days for the fans. It is. Yeah. It is. And especially when the women's basketball team should be really good. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> Jeff Mitty, I'm sure he's just heard every, he's, every question every day is about this preseason hype and what the team's going to be all about. Hey, this team should be pretty good, huh? I'm sure he hears it every day. <laughs> Um, but I'm glad that excitement's there. Um, and I've said it before, I mean, women's basketball is the most hype I've really felt about it in, in a long time. Well, they, you know, a lot of that, of course, is having Aoka Lee come back from For injury, sure. missing all of last year. But but it's more than that because, as we've said on this show, you know, Gabby had a really good first year. I, I think she is a really, really fine player at this level. You've got the Glenn twins. You've got, you know <laughs> – couple of people that set out last year that I think they really like. You got a terrific high school talent in Terrence Sides. I mean, there's no reason, no reason to not be, you know, pretty darn optimistic. By the way, the women uh, open up at Cincinnati on December 30th. Their home opener is against Houston. That'll be on January 3rd. Um, other notable dates, they're going to be hosting Kansas on January 20th. Um, and they don't have the double headers listed. I already forgot the dates, but I can give you the opponents as I look this back up real quick. So the first double header is on January 20th. So there you go. You have the KU game linked up with the men's game against Oklahoma State. And then again, double header on February 17th. The men will have TCU and the women will play UCF. There you go. So there's your double headers. Uh, for K-State men's and women's basketball. By the way, the men are going to play seven games on ESPN+. Plus. But the majority of those are at home. So hopefully there's only a handful of times outside of the non-conference you'll have to rely on ESPN Plus if you're not used to it to watch the games. I think people are getting more used to it, though. I hope so. Yeah. Because not everybody, but I think 
a lot are. Because really, I mean, ESPN Plus is actually a really good thing. It's a really good thing to have that available to watch games. Because um, without it, I mean, you're, you're going to be in trouble a little bit. It's going to be hard to watch a lot of games. I mean, there's back in the day, really didn't have that available, of course. It's, it's, I think we're pretty, pretty lucky to have that available, especially not just for basketball, for other sports as well. So well, everything improves over time in yeah. theory. And I think this, you know, it, it, to be honest, there, there were some rough things that happened in the beginning, and that's kind of the way it works. But now it's, it's a little bit, uh, I mean, you've seen the improvement, um, both football and basketball, and, and really some of the other sports too. I mean, some of the baseball uh, productions are, are, are pretty good. We're, we're very partial here, but I think that the K-State produced stuff is some of the best out there in the country, oh, not just the Big 12. Absolutely. It, it, I don't think it's all that close, really. I've so. never seen another university's broadcast that could even come close yeah, to I mean, how sharp K-State is. Yeah, yeah. And that's just the whole production of it. And we're not necessarily just talking about the play-by-play and color people. We're talking about the whole whole shoot match, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I mean, I, I, I don't know anything for sure about this, but I could definitely tell, like, the scheduling and all the TV stuff was definitely based on, like, whoever's doing the scheduling, like, did their own preseason poll. Sure. On how this might wrap up. It's and, always the way it works. Because K-State gets seven, <laughs> and uh, you know, there's other teams that get three, maybe four on ESPN+. Plus. You could be UCF who's going to play 15 conference games on ESPN+. Plus. That's a lot. That yeah. would stink. That would yeah. be terrible. Yeah. All right, let's take our next break. And when we come back, back to football last weekend in the Big 12. Man, uh, there's a couple of games I'm never probably going to forget. That's coming up next on Wildcat Insider. Are we having technical difficulties over there? What's up? I heard music and then it faded away. Welcome back to Wildcat Insider. Mitch Fortner and the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson. Wyatt, let's take a look back at week five in the Big 12. Guess what? One of the four newcomers finally has a victory. BYU back on Friday beat Cincinnati 35-27. It was a rally for BYU. Um, My big takeaway from that is how fast they scored. Yeah, Quite a bit of their touchdowns were on very fast drives. They had a pick six. That, That also helped. Interesting part about that game, though, think about this for a second. UC outgained BYU 498-295, to but the Cougars mm. won the game 35-27. Yeah. Wow. Five, uh, check that. Um, four of BYU's touchdown drives, which was all of their drives other than the pick six, right? It was BYU that scored on a pick six. Mm-hmm. Uh, five plays or less. So they were able That's to move crazy. quickly. Yeah. Well, and Slovis had a nice game. There's no doubt about that. But even even the Jones kid for Cincinnati had a nice day. He threw for 256 yards and three scores, and he'd been struggling a little bit throwing the ball. Well, and Keen Slovis was struggling in the first half. He was. He, he was just the passing game didn't get going until that final drive right before half, where they marched right down the field and scored and made it 14-10 BYU at the half. But it was mostly a back and forth second half. But BYU comes out on top by eight. And then Saturday, we'll start with the Kansas Jayhawks losing at Texas. A lot of things here. Texas cruises in the second half, 40-14, to 14, the final score, but it was 13-7 Texas at the half. I mean, Texas was trying to do what they could to allow KU to stay in the game. I thought Texas was kind of beating themselves a little bit in that first half. And then, by the way, KU did not have Jalen Daniels. It was kind of a uh, pregame warm-ups decision that Daniels would not go due to a, some sort of back injury, and Jason Bean had to make the emergency start. I've heard that he started to have some back issues on Friday, but that led into 
um, when you get to the facility and start to stretch and try to get loose, he just couldn't do it. And so Jason Bean takes over. And I thought Jason was okay, but he was somewhat limited. A couple of numbers that will, well, maybe three that just kind of blow you away. Texas outgained Kansas 661 to 260. <clears throat> Think you start there. Jonathan Brooks rushed for 218 yards. He he's uh, he's not Bijan Robinson, but he's pretty good. He's pretty good. <laughs> and then here you go. Third down, nine of 15 for Texas. You know what KU was on third down conversions? 0 for eight. I was about to say I don't think they got one. 0 for eight. Yeah. Uh, Texas is 661 yards of total offense, the most by Texas in a Big 12 game ever. Yeah, and again, it was 40-14, to 14, but you kind of felt like – I've heard a couple of announcers use the term left a little meat on the bone. I mean, in the first half, they did that. Second half, they were better. They outscored KU in the second half, I think, 27-7. That's kind of been Texas's uh, way of operation this year. Kind they of. Kind of sluggish yeah. in the first half, and then they take off in the second half and make it look like they own the game the entire way. I mean, Texas was marching down the field all day, but they – they one missed a couple of hurt. field goals. and yeah, yeah, one thing that really hurt was when Jatavion Sanders got hurt. They're tied oh, I in. forgot about that. Yeah. yeah he, he um, I don't think it's necessarily like a major serious injury, but it, it was a hip. I think they were being cautious with him. He's a big time talent. And um, they seem to have a little more trouble moving the ball after he left the ball game. It was just irritating with, you know, and it's kind of a, you know, who do I root against more in yeah. this game, KU or Texas? You kind of want both of them to lose or just kind of catch on fire and crumble into ashes uh, because Texas leaving the Big 12, of course, and uh, you know it's KU, it's your rival, right? Sure. Texas comes away with the victory. They were clearly the better team, but Texas would drive in the first half and make it look easy. I mean, they're running the ball. I mean, just crushing it down KU's throat, and then the drives would just stall. I think that just really came down to play calling. They kind of took the air out of the sails and quit just attacking. They got real pedestrian, and they finally had to stop doing that in the second half. Well, I think we said before the season started there were three teams in the league that had their offensive lines back intact when the year started. Texas was one, Kansas State was one, and West Virginia was the other, and that's why I didn't understand why they were picked last because their their offensive line is pretty darn good, and they probably have at least a couple of pros on that offensive front so my point of the story story though is is that texas when they ran the ball with purpose it was pretty legit they they were pretty good maybe you and you can explain you brought west virginia you can explain how they start four and one neil brown is supposed to be fired by now and now he's four and one after beating tcu and fort worth 24 21 well here's the thing that i think you have to understand you know the one loss was at Penn State. That's pretty forgivable, okay? Um, I'm just going to be blunt here. Pitt's not very good. No. They're not. They're not. They beat Duquesne, okay? But for me, um, winning at TCU was, was, I think, a real measuring stick kind of game for them because they got – uh, Garrett Green back. Mark Yola had done a nice job for a couple of games after he got hurt in that opener. And I've said all along, with that offensive line, and their defense is better than I th- a lot of people really, really get. Their, their front is always pretty competitive. They've got some hitters in that you know back grouping. 
Lee Cobb is a big-time athlete. Um, they've got a couple of guys in the secondary that can play. I, I think they're a solid team. I, I'm not saying they can win the league, but it was, frankly, kind of a joke for them to be picked last in my mind. I think I had West Virginia 12th. Really? Um, I mean, I just didn't think all around they had talent to be truly competitive, but now all of a sudden they're 2-0 and in the conference and 4-1, and one, and they've kind of snuck their way under the radar to a 4-1 start. And, you know, I was, I'm pretty big about C.J. Donaldson. I think he's a great running back. but Really good. I think Garrett Green's ability to be a dual-threat guy is underrated. And maybe should have taken that more seriously. But, again, he kind of – he didn't really come onto the scene as a player until – over halfway through the year last year maybe just didn't see enough from him yeah and and that's a good point because he is a much better run threat than most people I think understand and the experience that he got last year even though some of it was good and some of it not so good helps right I mean experience matters as we like to say I think the kid's gotten better I think he's been pretty well coached and I think they're doing a better job of not putting as much pressure on him. If you noticed and watched the game the other night, when when it came to uh, a time where it looked like he might be in a little bit of trouble, he was getting down and didn't necessarily do that you know, early in the year and, and last year for sure. Another final Oklahoma beat Iowa State 50-20. to 20. Uh, Also, we, we got to squeeze this one in. We got to make sure we talk about it. Baylor was down 35 35- to seven in the third quarter and they won the game 36 35 29 points unanswered biggest comeback in Baylor history the biggest comeback allowed in UCF history a wild comeback for Baylor that looked to be just absolutely dead in the water and everybody was ready to fire Dave Aranda part of the thing was is that I think the UCF fans were so bored that a lot of them went home and then when when Baylor started to make a run, they just couldn't shut the water off. You know, it was like a waterfall that they couldn't slow down. One of the things that really helped was is when Baylor really started getting going, it was Shapin was back. That helps. Monterey Baldwin's a pretty good football player now. He was on display big time in this game. And then when you have a 75-yard scoop and score return, um, especially on the road, and you got a UCF team that's gagging it a little bit, which I think they did. Um, that's a pretty good combination. That, that was a heck of a comeback. Nobody saw that coming. And then the last one uh, we'll touch on here, Texas Tech beating Houston 49-28. That was, a, in the first half, that was an old-fashioned shootout in Lubbock, wasn't it? It, it was. It was. 28-28. The biggest difference to me was the block punt yes. that Texas Tech returned. That completely changed the game. And finally, Tech found some defense in the second half. Yeah, it was an interesting thing because they blocked the punt. Well, actually – that Loic Fungi, who's a receiver for them, was the guy who blocked the punt and ran it in after he made a touchdown catch. So he did a really, really nice job. The bottom line is, though, is that in the second half, Houston did virtually nothing offensively. I mean, virtually nothing. They were outscored in the second half 14 nothing. That's not – I mean, that's almost forgivable, but by then you're just out of it. You're just not good enough, and I – Defensively, they've got some issues, but offensively, when they come here, uh, be interested in watching them because the, I think their quarterback's decent. They've got three or four receivers, a couple of good backs. A couple of those kids are young, too. Donovan Smith, 336 and four touchdowns yeah. against Texas Tech. I will say, I mean, Joey McGuire really needed that victory. 
I mean, they needed it bad. If they didn't get that dub, I mean, you're talking about now just everybody has disinterest in Texas Tech, a team that was a big-time favorite to be a threat for the Big 12 turn, or Big Twelve championship game. Yeah, and of course, we have Tech in Lubbock in two weeks, and you've got Tech at Baylor this coming weekend. we got to take our hour break, and when we come back, bye week for the Cats. A couple of guys back on the depth chart. Oklahoma State preview coming up next on Wildcat Insight.